Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Read More podcast. I've said two words, and Beatrice is already barking. So, so that's, that's the way our life works. That's right. Now. That's the way it's going to be. But welcome back to the Read More podcast, and this is a very special episode because out of the ten or eleven episodes that we've recorded, this is the first one in which we are recording together in person, in the same room. In the same room, at the same table, using the same microphone. Very good. So that's very good. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we have not been able to record together at all in the episodes before this, but I was able to self-quarantine for a time and make a special trip so that we could record together. So we're going to see if we can get through two seconds of this podcast without giggling or carrying on and eating gummy bears. Well, they are hidden behind the... um computers so so that we can't see them and right. can't eat them but i might remember that they're there but anyways all that to say hi welcome back to the read more podcast my name is emily caroline moore i am a reader i'm a writer and podcaster and i am joined as always by my lovely co-host reader and english teacher extraordinaire my mom hi everybody this is ann ferguson stancil and we happen to be um recording today at the dining room table in our house and we are excited to be together. I am an English teacher, I'm a reader, I'm a wife, just had my 38th wedding anniversary and um, I'm excited to be recording this, Our I believe it's our 11th podcast. This is our 11th recording together and it is the 12th episode oh, of yes. the podcast because I did happen to branch out on my own and do a book review. So we are waiting with bated breath to see what your first solo book review is going to be. I'm going to have to think about that. There's so many. But why don't we get started? Let's go ahead and get started. And we're going to get started the same way we always do with the most important question. What are you reading? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, My portion of the program for today is going to be a little bit different. Number one, it's different because I'm still reading the same thing that I was reading last time we talked, which is Diana Gabaldon's Written in My Own Heart's Blood, because it's a chunky monkey book and it takes forever. Um, But I wanted to use this portion of our podcast today to give a shout out to Sharon K. Penman, who is my all-time favorite author, who passed away yesterday after um, a brief battle with cancer. And it it made me so sad to know that um, Sharon's fans and family and friends will be mourning her. She was an inspiration. She was an excellent researcher, a wonderful writer, and a weaver of tales and a creator of wonderful characters. Um, I can safely say that Sharon Penman is the reason that I fell in love with historical fiction like for real the good stuff the really really good stuff and the reason that i love the plantagenets and um the uh, history of the welsh royal family and all things that have to do with that her books the the welsh trilogy here be dragons um and then the that starts with Here Be Dragons and then some of the others, When Christ and His Saints Slept, The Sun in Splendor, and I'm just going from the top of my head, but Sharon Penman will be definitely missed by the 
literary community, and I just wanted to take a minute to to kind of give a little tribute to her and her writing. So sad to lose her. Um, but now I'm going to ask you, what are you reading, Emily? Well, I'm very, very sorry to hear that your favorite author has passed away, and I was really sorry to hear that yesterday and to get that text from you. Um, I am hoping that since she did pass away before she was able to finish the novel that she was working on, that one of her friends or fans or family or someone who is incredibly familiar with her work would be able to step in and pick up that mantle and finish what she started. Um, in the same way that Brandon Sanderson finished The Wheel of Time for Robert Jordan and countless other series have been finished by fans who are really familiar with the work. Right. But what I'm reading, I am back in the kingdom. So I am reading Salem's Lot Ooh, by Stephen, Stephen King. Kingdom. <laughs> I, am, I am reading Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Um, it is, I know it's about vampires. I know it takes place in Maine, and that is literally all I know. I am, I'm serious, in the first chapter, mm -hmm. and I have not gotten farther than that. So we're going to see how good it is. But I'm, I, I know that I love Stephen King. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to enjoy this. So, so, so this yeah. is probably, in the last three hours, the um, third or fourth book I've said, as soon as you finish that, you need to bring that to me. Mm -hmm. So, because that's what we do, and I'll be shunting a whole bunch of books home with you when you leave. Exactly. So I'll have to bring that. I just brought you the first book of the Farseer trilogy, and then you yelled at me via Instagram to bring you *The Left Hand of Darkness* by Ursula K. Le Guin, but I completely forgot. So right, um, <laughs> and and this is going to be a, a the Assassin's Apprentice will be the first. Well, it's, it's going to be a foray into your genre, which is fantasy mm -hmm. fiction, um, that I'm going to give a give a shout to and a whirl at. So we're going to try that. We'll try it out. All right. So speaking of trying things out and speaking of sometimes trying things out and not liking them, mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and introduce our topic for today, which is DNF, or in the literary community, among the readers, that means did not finish. Right. So if you say, oh, I DNF'd that book, that means I didn't finish it. I, I didn't care enough to complete it. Or maybe I cared about it and I just didn't want to. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about a couple of the books that we didn't finish for whatever reason. And then we're also going to go into how you can tell the difference between a book that you just don't want to finish because you're not into it and a book that you should probably finish. You should probably fight through and how to recognize the difference between those two quote-unquote problems. Exactly. So, would you like to kick us off and start with a book that you started, but mm -hmm. then somewhere in there decided, you know, this is not for me? You know, this is a hard topic for me because I am a finisher when it comes to books. I rarely ever let books defeat me because that's what it feels like to me. If if I start a book and don't finish it, I feel like the book won. And I don't like that feeling. So most of the time I will push through to the end. And there are a lot of books that I have I have pushed through thinking, mm, kind of looking forward to the end of this, see how this wraps up. So finding books that I actually pushed aside or put back on the shelf and did not finish, that, that was kind of hard. Um, there are a couple of books recently that I did not finish and one was a book that I talked about 
oh, several weeks ago, um, called Spindle's End, which I started reading. It's a Robin McKinley mm-hmm. book. And I got through probably a third of it, and I just wasn't digging it. It mm-hmm. just was not interesting to me. And when I look at a book, okay, so I'm in the middle of reading something, and I look at the book sitting on the coffee table or the nightstand, and I think, I really don't want to pick that up. I would like to read, but I really don't want to pick that up. Then that is probably a good sign that I need to consider why. Mm-hmm. Do Am I not enjoying the characters? Is the plot not moving at a pace that I enjoy? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And for me, there's not a lot of required reading. Like when I was in school, when I was... Or, or if I'm teaching something that I haven't taught or haven't read. So this is a fully optional book. And, and, and I was looking at this book and going, you know, it just wasn't doing it. I wanted to pick up something that I was more invested in. So um, I'll be giving this one to you because I don't think you've read it. And so that was one book that that I didn't finish. Mm-hmm. And I decided, I made a conscious decision not to feel defeated by that. Because Mm -hmm. after all, you know, let's face it. We all have a limited amount of time Mm -hmm. to read. You can't read everything, so you should choose your time and choose how you want to spend your time. So was there one that that you put aside recently? Mm -hmm. And for what reason? um, So I actually had two in recent years that I put aside and decided just weren't for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of them was the Broken Earth Trilogy by N.K. Jemisin. And I wanted so badly to get into this series and like this series. Um, I had heard good things from some people about it, and then I had heard from other respected readers that they hated it. And so I was thinking, okay, I don't know what side I'm going to fall on. And when I actually picked it up and started trying to read it, I found that it was incredibly confusing. And I'm I'm an avid reader, and when I read something and I can't follow the plot, and I'm several chapters in and I still have no idea what's happening, that is a bad sign for right. me. Um, and then the other thing that I found very off-putting was that several of the chapters, so not all of them, but several of the chapters were written in second person, which is, you do this, you see this, you taste this. And I was like, I am not in this story. This is weird. I do not like this. This is not for me. So I put it down. Mm-hmm. And I felt very defeated by that, and I felt very guilty, because N.K. Jemison has written several short stories that I like. N.K. Jemison is a fantasy a female fantasy author of color who I really wanted to read and support and like. And I just found that I just could not get into those books. And so I felt really guilty about it. It took me probably halfway through the first book in the trilogy to say, I don't, I don't think I like this. I think I'm going to have to put it down. The other one that comes to mind is, and there was only one reason why I put it down, was Les Mis by Victor Hugo. <laughs> Like most people, I saw the movie, the movie version with Anne Hathaway and um, Wolverine. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Hugh Jackman. (laughs) Wolverine. (laughs) I saw the one with Wolverine, and I was like, oh, I've got to read the book. I've got to read the book. So picked up that doorstop of Mm -hmm. a book. If you don't know, Les Mis 
is over 1,400 pages long. 1,400 pages. I got right into the 700 pages mark mm -hmm. before I was just like, I want to read something else. I am done. I, I don't want to live in France anymore. <laughs> I want to get out of France. Done and, with France. And I want to read something else. So that was really it. I was enjoying the story. I was invested in the characters. The writing was amazing. The messages of the book were absolutely amazing. It was just too dang long. Yeah. So that's why I decided to nix that one. And you know what? On both of those that I just mentioned, both Broken Earth and Les Mis, I might go back. That was I my question. I might give them both another try. Would you go back to it? Because that, that takes me to my other book that I want to talk about that I picked up and did not finish. But it's one I'm definitely going to go back to. Um, and my problem came in with this particular book in when I picked it up. Mm. So the book that I'm talking about is one that I ordered for professional development for teaching. And as most folks know, I have been a secondary English teacher for 20, this is my 23rd year. Um, I've taught grammar and writing, and for the last 15 years I've taught literature. For the last 10 of those I've taught primarily British literature, which basically is a bunch of old dead white guys, right? Mm -hmm. And we try to bring in a bunch of old dead white gals too, but sometimes you don't. But the point there is that they're all white. Right. So with the pandemic kind of giving me a little bit more time to read and then the social unrest that has go on the racial the racial situation that we've had this past summer, I felt it incumbent upon me to try to diversify and re-educate and do some professional development myself. So I bought this book called Letting Go of Literary Whiteness, Anti-Racist Literature Instruction for White Students. And my students, my student population is primarily white. And I wanted to read this book. This is by Carlin Borsheim Black and mm. Sophia Tatiana Sariganades. I'm not S-A-R-I-G-I-A-N-I-D-E-S. Not sure how you say that. Hmm. But I started this book and it is fascinating. But it is so incredibly richly academic yes so when you're you're looking for um something to read for professional development and it has mla citations after every third sentence and lots and lots of footnotes and lots and lots of end notes and i mean it was just a lot and during the pandemic time during the worst part of that my reading focus was was hard so I had to put this down just because I couldn't stay with it mm -hmm. now am I gonna pick it up again absolutely I, I will pick it up again because I think that the themes in this are timely even though I only have about two and a half more years to teach before I try to retire um, I think that understanding anti-racist literature instruction for white students is an excellent topic for these times. So mm -hmm. this one, I just, I, I didn't feel like I could focus enough to finish it. And it's a little slim volume. 
Um, you're, I'm holding it right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's little. It's, it's little. It's only about 100 pages long, but it's 100, well, let's see, about 120 pages packed. It is incredibly um, deep. And so that mm. one I will go back to. But I just had to let it go for a little bit. So let's kind of unpack that a little because we've talked about books that were like, no, that's not for me. Might go back. And then we've also said in earlier episodes of the podcast that it's totally okay to put down a book that you're not enjoying. We've reiterated that a number of times. There's so many people that when they put down a book, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, they feel guilty. Mm -hmm. They feel, you've said that you don't want to let a book defeat you. And I'd like to talk a little bit about how you know if a book is, okay, this is just not for me. I do not want to finish it. I don't want to go back to it. It's not for me. I'm done. What is the difference between that kind of book and then a book that you can say, hmm, I am not enjoying this right now. It's really hard, it's a challenge, but I know I need to push through. Well, let's talk about the first obvious situation where that comes in, and that would be in the academic setting. Mm -hmm. If you are taking an English class or a literature class or a class where you have to read some sort of, of book, if you're particularly at the college level, now I'm a high school English teacher, but if you're at the college level and you have paid for that class and a teacher ins has assigned that, that book to you, you should try to finish it. You owe it to yourself to do that. You owe it to your participation and involvement in the class to finish that. Sometimes books are hard to finish. I know that I have assigned books to students and they had a hard time pushing through them but it was worth it in the end I'm going to tell you I have a lot of students who had to really work to push themselves through Jane Eyre mm -hmm. Jane Eyre is, is thick it is and and I'm talking about the fact that it's long and it's deep and there's a lot of messages, but it's such a worthy read. A lot of kids will try to, you know, they're, they're trying to fake it till they make it and skim and cliff note it, and they're really shortchanging themselves. So mm -hmm. I think the first place where you should absolutely throw, and I tell them, throw your back into it, eat the whole brownie, read the book. Mm -hmm. So that's one situation where I think that in the educational setting, if your teacher has assigned you a book, you ought to give it a try. When I was in college, I took a class called Southern Autobiography, and there was a book that I read for Southern Autobiography that I had to push my way through because I thought the book was wretched. It was graphic and violent and hard to read, but I had invested my money in that class, mm. and I finished the book. When I finished the book, I gave it back to the professor, and I said, I'm giving you this book. Mm -hmm. And he said, why are you giving me this book? And I said, I really don't want it in my house. I read it. I think it's inappropriate. I read it because you assigned it, but I don't think it's really a worthy read. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, well, I appreciate you actually reading it because I signed it. And I said, well, that's my participation and involvement in the class. Mm-hmm. And then there were other books that I, I read in school that I had to push my way through that I did feel like by the time I got to the end of it, yeah, that was worth the time and the trouble and the effort. Mm-hmm. So the academic setting, of course, you would understand me saying that. The academic setting for me is a place where I feel like you should finish. Mm-hmm. Those are what I like to call the marathon books. Mm -hmm. So, like, running a marathon, right? That is not exactly fun. Like, getting through it is not, like, eating a cake. (laughs) It is is a hard, arduous... (laughs) Well, I would know about a marathon, but, like, doing something difficult that takes a lot of time and effort. Mm -hmm. Once you're done, there is a sense of achievement that comes from that that you can't find if you don't do hard things. Right. And just like with, you know, running a race or training for a triathlon, just doing something really hard, you learn things about yourself during that process that are invaluable lessons. Every time you do a hard thing, you are teaching yourself to do harder things. Yes. And those are lessons that you have to learn. And so those types of books where you're like, don't exactly like this, I don't, I'm not super enjoying it, but I know it's good for me. And so I'm going to push through. I think that there is such merit to those books. A couple of episodes ago, when we talked about nonfiction, and I do think that recognizing a fiction book that you don't want to finish versus a nonfiction book that you don't want to finish, those are two different things. Mm -hmm. But a couple of episodes ago, when we were talking about nonfiction, I mentioned The Righteous Mind by Jonathan Haidt. That book took me forever to read. It took me, I think, two months. Wow. Which for me, I mean, I'm used to finishing books in a week. Yeah, you're a much faster reader. I'm a very fast reader, and then I move on, and I can just go read another book and, and have another adventure, another you know, set of ideas that I want to think about. But that book took me forever, and I almost stopped reading it several times but I understood, okay, this is a marathon book. Mm-hmm. This is one of those books that it's not exactly pleasant. It is not light reading. You know, it's not, it's not candy reading, just popping right. candy. But the lessons in here, the ideas in here are things that I need to learn. And pushing through this book to learn these lessons is going to make me a better person. Yeah. So I, I kept it up and I finished it. And once I finished that book... I was so proud of myself. I had read an entire thick, meaty, political ideology book. That's insane. Yeah. I, that's not something that I would normally do. And I proved to myself, oh, I can do that. You can do that. Well, one of the things that, you know, as we were making notes for this episode, and I was trying to think of books that I really had to push through, um, and this is for a different reason, several years ago, I did a summer that I called my What the Dickens Summer. And that was the summer where I read nothing but Dickens. Now, you have to understand about me, and this is one of the many places where we differ. I'm a slow reader. I was a challenged uh, young reader. I'm a tenacious reader, but I'm slow. Um, So I didn't read a whole bunch of Dickens, but I chose several to read. And one of the ones that I... I pushed myself through was a tale of two cities 
And I don't know what it was exactly about that book that I think it was confusing. I think it was, some of it is almost fantastical, didn't make sense to me. I did not enjoy that like I enjoyed. I loved Great Expectations. A Tale of Two Cities was just, for me, a really, it wasn't an enjoyable read, not like some of the other uh, Dickens that I have read. One of my favorite books of all time is A Christmas Carol, and I read it every year. But I forced myself to push through A Tale of Two Cities because I thought I need to have finished this book. I need mm -hmm. to say, yes, I have read that. For me, that was important. That was a, that was a goal for me. B says, congratulations on pushing towards that goal. Yeah, mom did a good job. Okay, so where are we going to pick up next? I don't even know. <laughs> now she's just going to go she's going to stand out there and bark. in the in the backyard and bark. But yeah, pushing pushing through and finishing a book, especially when you set a goal like that. When you tell yourself, "I want to finish I want to read and finish every Charles Dickens book this summer. That's an admirable goal. And so then if you didn't finish that book, if you were like, I read every Charles Dickens book except for A Tale of Two Cities, you would feel crappy, Yeah. you know? If you've set that goal for yourself, you need to try to do the best you can with that. Now, there, there are times when you don't finish books because you're just not invested in them. You're not invested in the characters. You're not invested in the plot line. Kind of like what I was talking mm -hmm. about earlier with Spindle's End. It wasn't working for me, and I decided that's not how I wanted mm -hmm. to spend my time. So let's, as far as fiction, let's start with fiction, because I think that's easiest mm -hmm. to recognize when you don't want to finish a book. Let's talk about all of the different things that you can recognize while you're reading that will let you know, all right, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think the first one that... I talked about is a good place to start. So in the Broken Earth trilogy, it was just dang confusing. Yeah. I just could not, I was so distracted by trying to understand the plot that I couldn't enjoy the story. Right. I, I couldn't I couldn't empathize with any of the characters because I didn't I had no idea what was going on. I felt like, you know how when you stumble into a conversation and you're overhearing people talk and they're saying words and you can understand what they're saying but because you weren't there at the beginning of the conversation you're like I'm kind of lost mm -hmm. that's how I felt the entire half of that book I read and that's that's a time when you have to say mm, you know it, it's not a problem with you as a reader it could be a problem with the way the book is put together it's just mm -hmm. not put together in a good way and and mm -hmm. you should let that go mm -hmm. So I that's wanted, one thing. That's yeah, one thing. One of the things that that has is a, a red flag for me is when I realize that I'm reading and I am and, and there's nothing to distract me and yet I am distracted. So if I read through a page and realize I have no idea what I just read and there's nothing to distract me, then I'm just not invested in that book. Mm -hmm. That's a time for me to 
to make the decision. Am I going to put this back on the shelf and pick it up later? Or am I going to put it in the stack that's, that's going to somebody else? Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't have time to try to force myself to read something that's not interesting to me. We both talked about um, the Game of Thrones uh, series. Mm-hmm. We watched the special, uh, you know, the HBO series. We both read, I know, I read the first book. I read the first, like, three or four. Okay, so you got farther than yeah. I did. and Maybe the first three. I think I read the first three. I think that's right. And it's been a while back now, so mm-hmm. I just did not enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I loved the, I loved watching the show. Oh, yeah. Um, but the book didn't do it for me, mm-hmm. and... I don't know if it was the way Martin puts together details because I like detail. Mm-hmm. I love Diana Gabaldon and there's so much detail. And so that wasn't it. But there was something about that book I just, about that series. And mm-hmm. I finished the book. Wouldn't let the book defeat, defeat me. Defeat you. <laughs> but I didn't go on to the next one. Well, I know that for me, I just don't like George R. R. Martin's writing style. Mm. I just don't. He, he does use a lot of description, like paragraphs and paragraphs describing what people are eating and I'm just not some people are totally into that they want all of the details of the scene and I am just not as into that so that was what did it for me I know that for a lot of people when you have a book that jumps around from character to character to character, a lot of people, when they're reading a book, they empathize very, very strongly with one, maybe two characters. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, that's my favorite character. I've heard a lot of people who read George R. R. Martin and A Song of Ice and Fire, they told me, oh, I just skipped to all of the chapters that were about Daenerys and Arya. Oh, I never do that. And it's like, well, you're not reading the whole book, But that reveals something to you. That reveals that you have found the characters that you can empathize with, but the other characters, for whatever reason, they don't interest you. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. So sometimes if you were to pick up, say, a different book that's told from the point of view of one character, if you're not jiving with them, if you don't empathize with that character, if there's nothing about that character that you can say, ah, I do that too, or I would feel that way too, you're probably not going to write like that book. Right. One of the the biggest complaints when I was teaching AP and I would teach um, the Poisonwood Bible was that it was, you know, it's written from the perspective of, is it four or five different female members of a family? I think a mother. It's, it's four. It's the, um, or no, is it five? Include the mother and I think it's five. Five. So anyway... Because each chapter was in a different voice over the period of 25 years. Um, A lot of my students hated the way that book was put together. Mm. It was so confusing. They couldn't remember who they were reading. They'd have to go back to um, to the beginning of the chapter to figure out who was talking again. And remember, these are young, you know, teenage readers. Seniors in high school, but they were, they're young. And... That for me, that was one of the things that was great about the book was because you could see all of these different perspectives and and the author ages them over twenty five years very well. But for some people, that's really tough. And that's okay too. Like 
In the same way that you might not like a point of view style or writing style that an author uses, all of literature has tropes mm -hmm. that, you know, not exactly cliches. I do think that there is a difference between a trope and a cliche, but all writing, all fiction writing, it does utilize tropes. Mm -hmm. And there are certain tropes that are present within fiction that some people are going to really, really like and be like, I love it when this happens. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be another trope that they just hate. And for some people, your most hated fiction trope is going to be their favorite. Absolutely. And so you might read something in a book and just be like, nope, that ruined it for me. That absolutely ruined it. Um, some examples of that might be, you know, I, I can speak with fantasy because that's what I read a ton. The, the chosen one trope. Like uh -huh. the prophesied one, the little farm boy who is like as interesting as a blade of grass and yet he has been chosen to defeat the Dark Lord. Like, I don't care. Like, chosen one tropes are so overdone. They are so boring now. Well, they go back to the Bible. I mean, it's mm -hmm. the David and Goliath. It's the chosen, you know, prophesied person that is going to take down evil. Right. And I just sit there thinking... Why doesn't the Dark Lord find out about the Chosen One and just go take him out? Like, right. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm bored of that trope. I do not like that trope at all. Um, but there are so many fantasy readers out there who are in love with that trope. Right. They totally jive with it. Yeah. And so that does not mean that a book that has a Chosen One trope is a bad book. There are plenty of books that I've actually loved and finished mm -hmm. that have a Chosen One trope. But... Nowadays, if I pick up a book and the entire center of the plot is the chosen one, I'm going to be like, meh, this isn't for me. Right. Well, and it's really good to get some recommendations from, you know, if you're thinking of investing in particularly a series, because I, now I will let a series defeat me more often than I will let, allow a single book to defeat me. But if it's a series, then I want to kind of know something about that before I invest in the first one because I really go in thinking, okay, I'm going to finish the whole, all the different ones. Has there ever been a series that you've just been like, oh, I'm going to read it, I'm going to read it, and then you plug through and you read the whole thing and you're like, well, I didn't even like that. I'd have to think about that. Because I know, I know mine. What is yours? <laughs> Twilight. Oh my gosh. I read, I, I am one of those people that I'm like, if you are going to have an opinion on something, you better have watched it. You better have read it. Mm-hmm. Like, don't tell me I hate Twilight. And then when I ask you, oh, have you read all the books? You say, oh, I didn't read them. Right. I just hate it because, you know, Joe Rogan it. told me I should. Right. Right? So if you're going to hate something, if you're going to have a strong hatred of a piece of art, you better have at least consumed some of it. Right? But I will tell you that after I finished Twilight, I was like, well, that I, I did not like that. I did not think that that was well written. I didn't like any of the characters. I I only read this series because it was popular and I wanted to have a fully formed intelligent opinion on it. Right. So, well I read all of the very uh popular um what was Mocking Jay and oh the Catching the Hunger Games the series. Hunger Games series. And enjoyed those pretty well. You know, I'm YA fiction is not my favorite. Mm -hmm. but that was good. But now the latest one, um, 
that is coming out, and I can't remember. It's the one with the bird and the snake and something, bird snake. Right. I, I have no desire to read that. Yeah, and that's It doesn't okay. interest me. That's okay. Um, I started out reading, and this was this is so off-brand for me, was the, um, what was the vampire series, the uh, Charlene, gosh, they did a, True Blood. True Blood. True Blood. But is it the Southern Vampire Mysteries? Is that what it's called? I think so. I bet I, I, bet I said that wrong, but yeah. I mean, I would like that, <laughs> probably. I read two or three of those mm-hmm. and enjoyed them, mm-hmm. but just was like, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I had that's enough okay. of it. I that's had enough. Okay. So, so those are the things that with fiction you can, you can look out for. If you're not jiving with the character or characters, if you just don't enjoy the writing, or if the writing or the plot is something that is so confusing or distracting that you can't enjoy the story, you can't immerse yourself in the story. And it's it's okay to stop reading a book for another reason, too, that you identify. Mm-hmm. It is okay to say, this is boring, and I don't want, I don't want to read this. I don't want to, especially if it is a book that you're reading for pleasure. Mm-hmm. If it's a book that you're just like, I'm going to take this to the beach with me on vacation, you know, once we're able to vacation again, I'm going to take this to the beach with me and read it by the pool, and this is going to be something I read for enjoyment. Right. If you're not enjoying it, give it to someone else on vacation and go to the bookstore and get something else. Right. Or the li- find a library and go sit. I, I totally agree with that. Now let's mm-hmm. talk about nonfiction. Right. So nonfiction is a little bit different. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say something that might be a little bit controversial. But I believe that if you have read, I'd say probably like 10 or so nonfiction books in the same vein, in the same subject matter, the same topic, you have read them all. If you like me, love pop psychology books. I love psych. I love psychology books, especially psychology as as far as it pertains to performance mm-hmm. and productivity and things like that. If you have read five of those books, you have read every single one. All of the stuff that's in Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 Hours Outlier book, mm-hmm. that's what it's called, Outliers, all of those stories, all of those studies, all of those citations, they are in every other book. So, so basically, you've saturated yourself with that right. viewpoint. So what I'm saying is that, sure, do you want to keep reading psychology? Yes, please keep reading psychology if that's what interests you and you want to learn more. But let's say that you're reading a psych book and you come up on one of those studies. Guess what? You don't have to read it again. You can skip that chapter. Ooh. You can skip that chapter Actually, you can look through the table of contents and see what chapters interest you and read just those, and it's totally fine. A lot what do you mean? It's okay to skip around in a book? It is okay to skip around in a book, and it is okay to come into a book saying, I want to get this out of it. This is what I want to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm here to learn this. Oh, you're going to recite this study on violinists who have practiced 10,000 hours that I have read literally a thousand times. Like, (laughs) I've got my 10,000 hours in reading this about 10,000 hours. Like, I don't want to read this anymore. You can skip that. 
you can you can skip that. You know it. And if skipping those chapters means that you don't read the entire book, that's fine. Mm-hmm. That is fine. Like you don't have to just saturate, as you said, saturate yourself with the same information over and over and over again. Well, I did that with some history um, books that I have read. I I love reading history, but I like to read about the parts that I like to read. Mm-hmm. I, I like, instead of reading about so much about the kings and the battles and the conquests, mm-hmm. I really want to know what Bodo the peasant did with his day. Why do you say Bodo? Who was Bodo? <laughs> You always say that. You're like, Bodo the peasant. I was like, who is he, though? Bodo the peasant. And I'd have to look it up. But one of my history professors at University of Montevallo, when he was teaching me, um, I was taking medieval history. There was some medieval historian or writer who wrote about the life and the practices and the things that happened to peasants. And he mentioned Bodo the peasant. So Bodo <laughs> the peasant has always figured into my... And that's, that's who you want to know about. That's so you're going to skip around. In your nonfiction books, you're going to skip around to learn what you want to learn about. Right. If the, I want to know about what's going on with the average person's day. Exactly. In the same vein, so for example, for Christmas Eve this year, my Christmas Eve book, because you always give me a Christmas Eve book as my Christmas Eve present, my Christmas Eve book this past year was on pandemics <laughs> and on the plagues. I think it was actually called um, the pandemics of the last century or the plagues of the last century. I read about HIV. I read about Ebola. Mm-hmm. I read about the Spanish flu. I did not read the one about Zika. Because, oh, I wonder why. Because I was on the health education response team in Miami during the Zika outbreak. I did not want to read any more about Zika. Is there anything you don't know about Zika? There's not a lot that I don't know about Zika, and I didn't <laughs> want to read, you know, a 50-page nonfiction chapter going over stuff that I already know. Now, I know that a person could probably say, hey, now... You might have learned something that you didn't know. You might you might have missed out on a lesson. Because, yeah, you're totally right. I might have. But that that's okay, too. Like, I'm not saying that, oh my gosh, I'll never read another article or book about Zika again. But for this pleasure read, <laughs> I did not <laughs> want to read about something that I spent an entire summer hopping around Miami-Dade County teaching people about. Okay, so let's just... Let's just go back for a second and just point out the fact that you just said that you read a book about pandemics as a pleasure read. That is true. (laughs) I did say that, but you gave it to me. I did, because I know what your pleasure read is. (laughs) What would you like? Um... There was one book that I wanted to talk about for just a second that, um, you know, when we were talking about pushing through books, mm-hmm. there was a book that I picked up because it was a Pulitzer Prize winning book um, by Marilyn Robinson called Gilead. And Gilead, because it was a Pulitzer Prize winner, I felt like I owed it to myself. And I have a couple of other books by her that I've just picked up at, at stores that I want to read. Um, 
this book was hard. I didn't relate to the... I didn't relate to the characters. It was about fathers and sons. Mm. I am neither one of those things. Right, right. But I could tell that there were valuable lessons in it. I could tell that there were things in there that, just as a human, I needed to mm-hmm. I needed to understand. And obviously, this book was an award winner, so other people thought so too. It was a tough read, but I pushed through it, and at the end, I felt it was valuable. And I passed it on to somebody else that I mm-hmm. thought would enjoy, you know, the the father-son relationship dynamic in that book. So just wanted to put that in. I saw it in my notes. Yeah, and see, that's interesting, too, because we we do say, okay, if you're reading a book and you're just not empathizing with any of the characters, if you don't see yourself, okay, in any of the characters, then it is okay to put that book down. If you just can't, you can't get into any of the character arc or the character work. However, if you're a true reader, you are going to meet characters who are nothing like you. Mm -hmm. And I see this a lot of times, particularly with male readers. Male readers do not like to read books that take place in the heads of women sometimes. Sometimes. Because they don't see themselves. I'm not saying that every male reader is like that. um, Because they're not. I know many, many male readers who love books with female protagonists, and that's Mm -hmm. awesome. But... I do know a couple of guys and have known a couple of guys, especially younger guys, who are not as quick to pick up a book if it is about a woman. And I would go so far as to say that you're robbing yourself. Mm -hmm. You're robbing yourself of a perspective that you desperately need. And you're robbing yourself of the chance to see yourself in a female character. No matter if the character is male, female, transgender, non-binary, no matter if the character is white, black, Hispanic, Asian, no matter who the character is, it's good to practice seeing yourself and seeing the mutual humanity Mm -hmm. in characters that are different from you. It's such a good practice, and it's one of the reasons that... Research shows us that fiction readers have higher levels of empathy Mm -hmm. than people who do not read fiction. It's because you are literally able to exist for a time in the head of a person who is nothing like you. Yeah, it's like when I read the book, I'm Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I was reading that book from my position as a middle-aged white mother who is reading for, you know the the story of a teenage girl of Mexican descent living in Chicago right well I, I didn't relate to her a lot and there were times when I thought the main character was a little whiny and a little bratty and a little spoiled and she kind of needed to get over herself but I I realized that I needed to let that character speak to me. Now, does that mean I'm going to go back and read Catcher in the Rye? <laughs> no, probably not. And there are some of the people who are listening are going to listen to this who are going to go, oh, but you should put yourself back in Holden Caulfield's. No, thank you. Uh, I don't want to be back in his shoes. I don't no. want to try that again. No, 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 no. <sighs> All right, well... 
We said that we were going to stop at 40 minutes, but it's already been 50 minutes. So, <laughs> so I guess we better wrap this up. We better up. wrap it up. Um, all of this is to say, all of this comes down to just really one thing. Give books a try. Mm-hmm. Um, especially for pleasure. Give books a try. And if for whatever reason you don't like it, and these are the reasons that we might not like a book. So you might find a book and, you know, discover a completely different reason as to why you're not enjoying it. Uh, and actually, that's that's a good idea. If you have other reasons that you've stopped reading a book, you should let us know. You should mes- message us and let us know. But if you're reading something and for whatever reason you're not in it, it's okay to put it down. It is. You don't have to feel guilty either. It's okay to put it down and to find something else. And it's also okay to recognize the I'm not really digging this versus the I'm not really into this, but it is beneficial. And, and so, I need to finish Yeah, this. and I need to finish this and I'm going to push through. Um, so, it's part yeah. of the analytical um, process that you go through when you're reading a book. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Do you want to tell the people where they can find you on the interwebs? Absolutely. I can be found on Instagram at Lulu the Lit Lover, and you can find me on Facebook at Ann Ferguson Stancil. Where can they find you? Well, you guys can find me on Instagram at Emily Caroline Moore, all one word. That's my personal Instagram account. And then the account for this podcast and my personal book blog is at read underscore more with two O's underscore books so at read underscore more underscore books and that's the instagram account for the podcast and for my book blog i'm also on twitter at east uh, emily c underscore more and i am blogging about the writing life at emilycarolinemore.com sounds great well i guess until our next time i'll see you later let's let oliver take us out of here let's let oliver play us out all right Bye. Bye.